Good afternoon, you're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week, the weekly show where we go through all the print media here in County Clare. We have the Clare Champion and we have the Clare Echo and as a group here and as a station we strongly uh, commend you to read uh, the, our local print media because they, they're a great asset and a huge resource here in County Clare. So, um, anyway, we'll have a chat about it here and we'll have a look at the various things that, that's on today and maybe uh, you might have a look at it in depth yourself when you get a chance. My name is Jim Collins and I'm joined by most of our usual crew this morning or to this afternoon. John S. Kelly, you're very welcome. Thank you, Jim. Delighted to be here. And David Fleming. David, you're welcome as well. Thanks very much, Jim. Our regular contributor and the man who who started the idea for this show, Pat O'Brien. Pat is unavoidably absent. So uh, we have... He's on his holidays somewhere, Jim, isn't he? He probably is. We hope he's listening to us. Whatever beach he's on or whatever swimming pool he's at, sipping those cocktails, we hope he is listening to us. He's only arriving. <laughs> and doesn't, <laughs> he well, doesn't he well deserve the holidays? Yeah. He does. He does. He does. Anyway, so uh, off the subs bench today comes uh, Luke Fleming. So good afternoon, Luke. Hello, Jim. How are you? Very well, thank you. Luke is double jobbing now with sound <laughs> and uh, taking part in the show as well. Anyway, looking at the paper, I see on the Clare Echo on page 11 is uh, a mention of the census and... The, the certainly in East Clare there has been a lot of debate about the census or lack of census as so many people in East Clare, including myself, have not received uh, a census form. You're so getting it this week? I have got it this week. I got it on Thursday. Yeah. No, sorry, when? Yeah, Thursday. I, I beat you by uh, two days. Yes. Okay. The minister was very apologetic to me. Was he? <laughs> you I think we've got a personal apology. C- c- could I just point out something here? Yeah. Uh, a state organisation issued an apology. Oh, yes. <laughs> I will knew yeah, that. That's central, becoming very fashionable. The Central Statistics days. Office. I quote, in one region of East Clare, we had some delays and challenges in delivering census forms, and we made a number of attempts to ensure forms were delivered to homes, it outlined in a statement. How about that? I, I, Wouldn't that make you, you know, yeah. proud of our... Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think it's only due to the work of Porrick and, uh, we'll say, with the Echo and the Clare Champion that highlighted in the first place, because yeah. by Jays, you don't get an apology out of a state organisation very, <laughs> well, very easily, unless it's on the steps of the High Court. I'd say, Luke, first of all, I got two census forms this week. I got one Thursday and I got a second one Friday in case <laughs> I lost the one Thursday. You're a big man. <laughs> uh, but I did not get an apology. Yeah. In fact, I was, by inference, blamed for the whole thing. <laughs> now, how were you to be well, at fault? The, the letter week? that came, the accompanying cover letter that came with the form, started off, Dear Householder, Unfortunately, I've been unable to make contact with you to deliver your census form. Now, that kind of sounds like it's my fault. <laughs> it it, it seems does. that they were making strenuous yeah. efforts to get in touch with me. Yeah. But, but and I mean, did someone sign that letter at the end of it, Jim? No. Uh, ah. You're sincerely census enumerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the article it, doesn't explain why the issue happened. Well, David, that, that uh, you know, worried Tina G, a fat, a fat okay? 
and they eventually succeeded in tracking down, before the census people, tracking down Jim. Okay? So Jim spoke on our behalf and the wider, the nation. And the wider community of East Clare, Osgueliga. Uh, and so does Jim know the reason why the census... Yeah, I'm sure he does, but he's keeping, he's keeping very close to his heart. Yeah. Well, when they arrived at home, I hadn't received the census form, so, and, and I told them that. And they just wanted an angle on it, and they were looking at... Um, they, they, they called me a starry autuid, oh, a local, local story, yeah. which indeed I'm not. <laughs> But I have a great interest in local history, so we were we were talking about the you know looking up the 1901 and the 1911 census forms and the tie the plotment books from 1824 yes, yes, yes. Uh, and how well they were able to conduct a census back nearly 200 years ago. So we no uh, there was about 40 seconds of the interview uh, broadcast. That's what we were talking about. But the issue now is, Jim, that you have to transport yourself back in time to census night and fill it in as if it was that night. Now, if, uh, unfortunately, in some households in East Clare, there might be one or two people who have died since. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yes. And they have to now, with a little bit of distress, and I'm only talking about maybe uh, two or three families yes. in East Clare. I know one of them who may not have got their form, they might have to now list that deceased member of the family yes. as, as, being, alive, as being alive and answer all the questions that, um, yeah. that David, may cause. David, Jim mentioned there in passing, he mentioned the Tide allotment books. You yes. know, okay. And I, I, I have a gut feeling that there are plenty of people whose ears are pricked at that, mm -hmm. wondering how would they actually access? Yeah. How did Jim do it? And you're the historian, and Jim is the person who's who's practically. Or a historian now. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, what well, if you want to get the guidebooks? Yeah. Where do they go? Go to the National Archives of Ireland website, and you'll find uh, a search page there. I would recommend actually browsing because sometimes they get the name of the townlands wrong. Um, or they mightn't have the right spelling, or they mightn't even spell the family name right. Just look for your townland. National Archives of Ireland and tie the plotman books will get you. And what about Ennis, Jim? You yeah. went in straight Also, into the, the library in Ennis, the, the local studies library, uh, it, that's where I went, yeah. and they're on microfilm there, and I printed out the ones, for the entries for my know yeah. uh, for 1824. Yeah. 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 But... Um, yeah either, way, yeah, either way you'll get them. Yeah. And they're similar to Griffith's valuations. Yeah. Many people know Griffith's valuations. Yes. But this, the thing is that um, they were very efficient in conducting those uh, two exercises, and indeed the 1901, 1911, 1881, and all the other senses. How did they but do Griffith? How did they actually do the Griffith's valuation? They actually, and this is the way our property tax should have been done, they actually looked at every piece of land and gave it a value. And it depends, and they rated it. And uh, houses. The, the type of land it was. The type of land it was. So if it was mountain or, or poor land, it wouldn't be rated. What kind of a classification did you Oh, I can't remember. One question, though, one thing, if I can say, uh, after myself on the TG Carter News, it was, it was very interesting. In the same piece, but uh, the, a resident of Tumgraney, Teresa Brown, of, of Clareville. Yeah. Now, it dealt with her situation. She was in there on the night. 
she would have a number of guests. Yes. Uh, who knows? It's one thing to know how many people you have, and she obviously would be able to list the people who stayed with her. But all the details that would have to go down in relation to them, she has no way of getting it. No. And and everybody in her situation, B and B or hotel or wherever, um, they're in that situation that. They can't go back, or at least it's very hard to go back mm. and, and get all the but, information. But the only thing I would say, Jim, is that technically if you're absent from your house on the night, you mark yourself as absent. Yes, and maybe the details would have been got yeah. in their home. Elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. possibly. Yeah. But I, I just at the end of Porrick's um, article there, uh, you know, we said I, they started off with an apology, but then I... I'm afraid that didn't last long. No, <laughs> census forms were posted using an address and air code, and unfortunately, it was only after census night that we were informed that these had not been delivered by own post. This is the same own post that uh, has admitted that they do not use air codes, mm. right? So why then were census forms posted out with air codes? Mm. Why? 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 Yeah, but that's uh, what. I'm, so what? What's the solution to it, John? Because I, what's the solution to it? They posted them out, and apparently they didn't appear. Mm. So they got a courier company, and what do all the courier companies use? Air codes. Air codes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they still haven't told us, and I'm, we probably need to go on. What was the initial cause of the delay? Yes, because our neighbours who lived on the other side of the road received their census forms. That'll be Dublin and 4 now. <laughs> <laughs> Middle line road scars. But they, they received them as they always do from an enumerator who knocked on the door and handed in the form. Yeah. But so they obviously, there was some problem. The dogs. The, with enumerators. And I, I, in your townland, Jim, did anybody else receive? Were you the only person not to receive? Oh, no. Everyone on our side of the road, or most people on my side of the road, yeah. didn't. Did not I'd receive. say it's a bit like the queues in Dublin Airport that just didn't have the staff. Yeah. yeah. That's what it seems to be. Probably. Mm. Mm. Okay, will we go on? Can we talk about pyrite? Because pyrite seems to be still in the news, still, it's on page 10 in the Clare Echo, uh, Parik McMahon and... He talks there about irrefutable evidence of widespread pyrite in County Clare. And that's not Parik talking, but he's talking about uh, a new report by Ballina-based uh, Simon Beal and Associates. And they have had a report that, I, I mean, I suppose we, we know that there is pyrite in County Clare. Um, and we've known for quite a while. But um, I suppose the question is, what do we do about it? Well, I suppose there's a psychological support we can lend, uh, Jim, by constantly keeping people alert to um, any recent information that, and recent information has come in uh, to the council. You know, okay. Um, as, as you said, well, did you mention Fiona McGarry's article? No, I was, on, on no, the, just, I was looking at Parik's yeah. article in the Clare Echo. Yeah, well, both of them are singing out the same hymn book. Um, so that's a frightening looking photograph, isn't it, that's there uh, in the Champion. The chief executive, Pat Dowling, said that after a period of doing additional tests for, for pyrite, a new juncture has been reached. Jim, I suppose we need to be talking to our local councillors, because should it, there be a, a, a pandemic outburst of pyrite-itis, do you know, mm -hmm. here, uh, we'd need to be ready. Uh, to make sure. 
that and the question is, I suppose, and it's the question facing the government as well. Yeah. You know, the people through no fault of their own who've had pirate in their houses and see their their houses crumbling, and you can see on Porrick's report as well. It's probably the same this, photograph, yeah. the same house. Uh, yeah. They're faced with potentially the loss of their house. Uh, but do you think Jim that pays for it? Is yeah, it the yeah. state pays for it? Uh, do we try and follow up or do this try and follow up the where the pyrite came from and and follow up that? That's a that's a question that it's, it's probably needs to be addressed or will have to be addressed. It, it will have to be addressed. Um, it will all boil down to money. It will. But yeah. money doesn't seem to be much of a problem for many of our uh, you know uh, situations here in Ireland in the past three years. But I think the government has already conceded the point because they have put together this scheme. The reason that Clare hasn't, isn't part of the current scheme is because the council didn't act quickly enough two years ago when the other councils were petitioning and lobbying the... Because the, um, the council had to do a, a necessary first step mm. Uh, to establish numbers and cases and all the rest. Claire didn't do this. It's only doing it now, no. which is why we're getting the report of irrefutable evidence. Yes. So it's the spin often that is put on these things um, by the council and by um, our newspapers. Mm. Uh, the question is, uh, to, uh, I'd love to know how extensive it's going to be, or have, is there estimates? And presumably that's what the government itself wants to know. Yeah. Um, we also need to know, have all the legal uh, avenues been exhausted for the companies responsible for selling defective concrete blocks? Now, um, David, can I just ask you a question? For a house that was built in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, yeah. is it realistic to expect every house owner to have a receipt for where they got their blocks. No. No. Right? And the point I make to you then is, just say, whatever companies are allegedly at fault for this, say, oh, they're not my blocks. You, you can't prove it. And, it. and if they sort of, if it goes to court, where's the evidence? Yeah. And that's, that's why yeah. it's going to yeah. wind up with money. I can imagine there are a large number of companies that may have um, closed, Naturally, they may have been taken yeah. over, may have, you know, gone yeah. bigger yeah. again, may yeah. have gone into different yeah. uh, business. And that's and probably there why the state has to have has probably to jump in at this point because the legal avenues might not be available to it. But there are an awful lot of houses built during the Celtic Tiger years where the builder where the builder is known and where they got the blocks from mm -hmm. and presuming some of those companies are still in existence we are told there are some very large companies responsible but the costs in this case could be gigantic frightening you know in the the, the, the cost of and i mean the cost of houses isn't going up isn't going down no um but and you're talking about right around the country you know Houses built 40, 50 years ago and, and more recently. Mm. If you, and if it's you, the taxpayer who will be paying for it. If you look at uh, Porrick's article, yeah. um, we said evidence of sulphate attack was also uncovered in the testing. Between 350 and 620 homes are now affected in Clare with estimates from the Pyrite Group that this figure is much higher. In this country, generally, whenever we sort of get a scandal, there's one or two people are campaigning for years. 
getting nowhere. And eventually they get a bit of traction. I can recall being down in Cork, I'd say about four years ago, and I yeah. saw two posters at the side of the road, uh, Donegal Action on Pirate. And I was going, what the hell are they on about? And then, it, uh, about a year later, it came in a little bit into the yeah. public consciousness, yeah. and Donegal is where a lot of, you know, it started. And then it was a bit like, oh, it's only in Donegal. Mm. Mm. And then, yeah. a year and a half later, oh, it's in Clare. The council don't do anything about it, and don't get involved to the extent. Now, they've got a kick in the ass. And they're now saying, okay, there might be a few houses involved. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, a bit like, you know, you said before, we do not do planning in this country or we don't do sort of common sense. You know, the, if, if there is an estimate, we'll say, I, I would safely say from the, the Pyrite Action Group, if, if there's evidence of sulphate attack in 350 to 620 homes, if you go on various other scandals that are uh, amassed in this country over the years, you could multiply that by, I'd say, at least 10. Mm. At least yeah. 10. Well, that would be a significant amount of homes. Absolutely. Are you worried yourselves, gentlemen? I live in a, in a, in, in, in a house that has largely been built 100 and odd years ago with proper natural stone, so I don't... Now, my extension was built in the 80s. Yeah, but well, David, uh, David when, when the Celtic Tiger was roaring... Yeah. You were having up to 80,000 houses a year being built. Yeah. Mm. yeah. In, in Ireland. In yeah. Ireland. Yeah. In a hurry, very often. Tell me, do you ever hear of the mushroom effect? You know, uh, keep, it, uh, keep it in the dark as long as possible. <laughs> But, but okay. this is this is, what this is a nice example of it. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. uh, what happens sometimes with mushrooms, John? They explode, and this they get, is, they this get is, rotten too. You well, see. They're, they're, yeah. And they're a magic <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I'll start <laughs> with the fact. Family, family show now. <laughs> Are you not worried yourselves? I'm fierce worried. Yeah. Is there anything an individual can do to relieve that worry? Well, I, I time is not on my side. <laughs> I think, I think pay, pay about six or seven hundred euros is what for Pat a had, test. Had, had previously oh, more than it, for oh, a test. Yeah. For a test? Yeah. Oh, it costs more than seven hundred. But the test, doing a test won't solve the problem. If there no, is it doesn't. Problem. It just confirm yeah. your fears. It, it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. But well, going back to the line of who's going to pay for it, uh, probably down the line it will be the state. Yeah. But, but the state uh, are paying for but, the but I, but, ones. But I cannot see how they're going to get a cent out of any business. Mm. And if it is alleged that there are some companies that are still in business and, you know, they probably have shareholders and all the rest of this, yeah. and they sort of go, oh, we can't afford to pay this. And they said, well, you could afford to make millions of euros in profits over the years. So, But again, what, what'll wind up? The only people that'll make money out of it? Solicitors. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose yeah, it's a point to proof you. also. Yeah. Sorry, John. No, no, no. Proof, because what you said yeah. earlier, you know, we built our house now 39 years ago or something like that, and there is no... There are no receipts. There's no, no nothing. I would have no clue where the, the blocks came from. No. Yeah. Uh, and most people... In you know way to, no way to prove it, Jim. No way to prove yeah. it. Yeah. But, but of course, if, if you go against a private company, their solicitors, as you say, will look for, well, where's your proof? Yeah. That it was yeah. us. Sorry, lads, it wasn't us. Yeah. Well, that's pyrite. Mm. Okay, we'll go on. The, we talked about, or we, we've talked about this before, the Shannon Estuary Task Force. And on page eight, uh, Fiona McEv, the care champion, Fiona McGarry has uh, an article there and a picture of a rather determined-looking Pat Dowling. 
And why wouldn't um, he be, Jim? No, I don't know whether it was didn't, just... Uh, didn't do much good. No, it didn't. That's post but the, the event. The, his, the, I suppose he, he expressed uh, concern that the chief executive of Clare County Council had not been included in the group and that his counterparts in Kerry, Limerick, Tipperary had been snubbed as well. Yeah. But isn't there probably a good reason for that? What is it? Um, By the way, David, explain to our listeners um, what is the group that yeah. this which is we a new are group which has been established by the government to examine ways of, as I understand it, to unleash the economic potential of, of the Shannon Estuary. Shannon Estuary, of course, has been subject to these sorts of things for 50 years, I'd say, yeah, John, yeah. you'll remember. It's like various Shannon. reports. Um, and so this is, this is a task force made up of some of my colleagues in the university, some of the chamber of business people, and so on. How is it put together? The, the minister, it was by ministerial Straight minister, ministerial As I understand order. it, yeah. As I this, understand is, it. And I, this is shocking. Jim, I mean, uh, the CEO of Clare County Council, the CEO of Limerick, Kerry and Tipperary are not part of the structure that's going to deal with the possible re revitalisation of the Midwest area. Isn't that right? I mean... Well, it seems since any revitalisation... The councils will be central to it in terms of implementing what is planning is one, yeah. for example. Yeah, yeah. And and all the I know large projects maybe go straight to Board Planola, but there'd be a lot of smaller, you know, development of villages, and we're, yeah. we're talking about jobs, we're talking about houses, we're talking about various infrastructure uh, that the councils will need to be on top of. So, and what do you think of the of the decision not to have the? It seems surprising. Do you think surprising is strong enough, Luke? I, I wonder how seriously the government considers the task force in the first place. What, what, fair uh, point. A, a very fair point. It's uh, west of the Shannon, so no one gives a shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, that's no, much I, it. and what, what government, uh, what ministerial presence have we, as you said, outside of the education minister and Kerry? I don't mm. see her ranting and roaring about it. Uh, but there's a lot of ministers in Limerick um, where, where this, of course, comes in. I mean, Limerick City is, is a big part of this, too. What, what ministers? Um, you have a lot of politicians. You haven't too many mm. ministers. You have the junior minister for the OPW, uh, Mr. O'Donovan, a young fella, I think. Is yes, it Donovan? No, he's out in Newcastle West. He though. is. But anyway, he's, there are he's, no senior ministers. No. I would no. say. But anyway, I don't think it matters too much about that. This is, this is, I think, it's one of these things that they'll write a report about. It'll probably sit in the shelf for a very long time. Um, something might come of it. Really? Reports rarely I get know, traction. I know, I know. That, that's worrying. Yes, minister comes to mind. Yes, yeah. minister. The, the, the yeah. irony being that this seems to be an occasion where all the county councils actually wanted to be involved in something together. <laughs> Whereas previously, see, we do when this. When they're excluded, we'll they make a song and dance about it. But when they're actually involved, that, uh, well, well, the, well, the question, you know, you, you talk, you talk about the estuary, and uh, we, we may wind up talking about money point later on. But I, I said, you look at, uh, you talk about government policy and everything else like that. What, what's the big issue affecting the estuary that has been? written off the table. 
Is it the liquefied natural uh, gas? Absolutely, in Kerry. LNG, yeah. yeah. So now the, uh, you'd have some lads in Limerick would say, just we'll take that. And some lads in Clare would say, would we'll you explain, we'll take would that. You explain, uh, explain to our listeners what exactly you're talking about. It's government, that, it's, it's, that it, item. it's government policy that uh, they made a decision, and I, I think the Greens would probably have a certain uh, input, uh, have had an input into it. It's not something that they support. That basically it would be a, a reserve of gas product that would be shipped in from the states because yeah. it would be fracked gas basically. Fracked. Okay. Fracked. Fracked gas, but yeah. it, it sort of can be stored for a period of time and, and sort of can be used, we'll say, to power a, f a few stations that would need to be powered and mm. provide a bit of electricity. Yeah. It's and, and in in the times that we have, when you look at, uh, we'll say the way that things are in Eastern Europe with a combination of uh, Putin and um, you're turning off the plug by choice on their gas supplies. Um, you know, energy prices have all gone through the roof. All you have to do is look at your ESB bill to sort of see how that is. And this would be something where we could be using it to make ourselves a little bit more self I would say self-sufficient. Oh, okay, look, look can I come back on, in, on that? that um, uh, we have a county councillors operating at, at the local level representing us, right? That's the democratic process. Isn't that right? Hmm. No problem. They have at their head, they have uh, an executive, chief executive, correct? Hmm. How do you think, how do you think an, a, a councillor in North Kerry or in Limerick or here in Clare will feel about the significance or otherwise of not having the CEO, their CEO, representing their best interest, the interests of our, our, our zone. Okay. But you see, isn't that the problem, John? They'll all want their own bit for Clare and their bit for Kerry and their no. bit for Limerick. They That's won't what... think regionally. We also have regional boards, and maybe those should be the politicians who should be on it. In fact, we elect TDs, maybe they should be on it. Where does the book stop? Well, on the other hand, then, we'll say, in the last number of years, Clare County Council has had an important role in terms of the Cliffs of Moher and the, the running of that facility. And we'll be talking maybe in a short time about the Bunratty and the, the various heritage, other heritage yeah. centres. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the council does have a role, or can have a role. Um, but I would imagine that, if, okay, there, there, there'll always be a bit of give and take in relation to what goes where. But, I mean, each council is looking after their own area. Um, and presumably they'll come up with a, you know, a salute, but they need to be in there, I think anyway, they need to be in there talking, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it oh, smacks really. of something that's yeah. irrelevant. I, I think it's a sort of an expert panel, is the way I'd put it. You have I, I, business I, I, people and academics and a whole load of different interests, but the politicians are being kept outside because the next stage, maybe, will be about It'll be on the, the shelf. It'll be on the shelf. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the councillors, I'm sure, will have a little... We'll have a debate on one evening, and then they'll put it on the shelf. Okay. Can no, we, I, um, I, 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 I feel much, much more <laughs> optimistic about the potential of our councillors to impact on a development in their zone. Well, John, if they're, I, if they're I, allowed, I, I make them have to share the same optimism because there is a, a little piece um, in the newspapers uh, about the councillors um, asking the council to write to Dublin and to get more airport. I mean, 
more airport facilities for, uh, to relieve the pressure on Dublin to bring the flights down to, down to Clare, uh, down to Shannon. Um, and so it's this sort of politicking that these councillors enjoy, and that it's, that's not the way to do business. But it's By passing motions to encourage the Dublin Airport Authority, not to encourage them, to demand. Well, they're yeah. looking for the Department <laughs> of Transport to instruct the Dublin Airport Authority, which probably won't happen. But, you know, they're looking after their own side of things. They want more business in Shannon. But is it not true that there should be a national aviation policy, um, you know, by the government with their interests of the whole country? As there should. To, yes. You know, just <laughs> there should be. I said, is it not right, Luke? It's coming. Yeah. So, so we, we understand yeah. it is that it is yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah on the there should be one national. There should be one airport authority, as there used to be. Yeah. yeah. Rather than local interests. I, I think we should move on, Jim. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're. <laughs> and I should say the Limerick Shannon Airport. Can we just on a similar kind of thing on the Clare Champion uh, yeah. in the north? and West Clare page. Poor infrastructure could cost Clare offshore wind contracts. Uh, we, were, we were actually talking about that there before, and we're talking, I think page, we're talking- Page 14. Page yeah. 14, and uh, Connor Clossey has the article there of page 14 in the, the North and West Clare page. I think they're talking about the, the lack of suitable port facilities, docking facilities, and why don't they spell that out? They? Yeah, it isn't very clear. Well, part of the reason why they don't spell it out, Jim, is because no, uh, John, is because nobody knows what this is going to entail because mm. there's no plan. Yeah. Right. So all you can do is you can probably look at some uh, similar type model elsewhere. Exactly. That yeah. Been done elsewhere, and it's a little bit like there would obviously be the work going on we'll say when this gets up off the ground and gets up running so probably in about 20 years time no oh god you're very you're very pessimistic altogether i'm a realist john uh, and uh, because we could talk about bridges and stuff like that in part two we'll come back to that as well but i think there, there's an element basically you know like everything these things all need maintenance and uh, I would presume that uh, fines or maybe money point at some stage, a lot of, you know, uh, the construction will be done or, you know, transport, transported through those ports because they're the two yeah. ports uh, that would be used. But there would always be the possibility that, and the probability that you'll have people doing maintenance out, out, out at sea and you don't need to bring a big ship. So it might be sort of, you know, the equivalent of somebody going out on a big fishing trawler with a bit of gear and they might stay out there for five or six hours, fix a few things and come back in. I think that's what, that's what he's on about, you know? So uh, again, you'd say har harbour-wise, you're talking, you're talking probably Doolan, uh, Kappa, Carrigaholt. Um, where else? Could even be Galway. Absolutely. Well, if I listened to uh, another article and I said it could be Cork, Mm. And, and that, could, that, could, that could happen too. Uh, but listen, on all the various things that we've had here, if, you're, if you see a large company, a yeah. large corporation, you know, who would, they're of one section of their thing, of their, their um, organization, looking at what's happening today and next week. But somewhere they have a group who are looking at what's, what's going to happen in 12 months time yes. what will we need in five years time mm. if you make tvs or radios mm. or something like that they will have uh, what what are the needs where yeah. are we going 
But are you suggesting that that's what the council should be doing right now? I'm suggesting that's what the government should be doing. Yeah. I, I would have thought in my well, the Surely the council needs to make a case, and our councillors that John put so much faith in, or our local representatives, should be making the case right now. And should be point well to be fair to councillor lynch that's exactly what he's doing yes. Yes. but it, i think something like that is above the, the pay grade of, of the councillor i think <laughs> it's the government <laughs> I, I, I will give you one word before we finish because we're running over time telenor fill us fill us in yeah they pulled out Oh yes, the, yes. The because there was, firm. Because there was because no the, Because there was no yeah. oh, we, No, we dealt with that story. issue. Mm -hmm. I don't know if was there anything ever learned from it. John, I think we need to take a bit of music. Excellent. Have you any suggestions? Pat usually does this, but yeah. he's away today. Well, in honour of the occasion, um, let's see, maybe it's not. Save the last dance for me. No. Do you remember that? I do. Who was it, John? Um, the Drifters. The Drifters. Yes. What time in the, of the night was the last dance usually? Well, it depends what era you were talking about. If, if you were talking about the, the 50s and the 40s, I would I, say it went on until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. You'd have, you'd have to come down a little bit more in, in Yeah, but the 60s and 70s you'd be talking about maybe 1, 1.30. Mm. It's very civilised. Yeah. yeah. There's a little ad on, pay, on the living page at 3. It's, called, it's heading Dancing for Pleasure. Is that what you're encouraging our listeners to do? Yeah, I think that's in Killaloo. It's Quinn, Quinn oh, Hall, yeah. Quinn County Clare, yeah. 8.30 to 11pm. So oh. uh, with every decade, the time is coming yep. back. Uh, back and again. It's available in, in the, the new hotel in Killaloo as well. I've seen signs, okay. signs for it. Yeah. Right. Anyway, we're, we're, the Drifters saved, saved the, the last, last chance for me, requested by John S. Kelly. Yeah. And I bet you now there'll be many a, a person listen to this in the kitchen. All right, and they say, "Oh God, they were great years, you know." Fair enough, weren't they? Mm. Okay. Save the last dance for me. That was the important one, Jim. By the way, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. it, David? It was. It was. Oh, Jesus, it was the important one. <laughs> <laughs> early on in the night, it didn't happen too much. <laughs> there was room for error. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're gonna be so darling say the last dance for me mm, say the last dance for me You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scarlet Bay Community Radio. And we had the Drifters there which saved the last dance for me. And John was saying during the break there that the last dance was the most important dance of the night. <laughs> I wonder why, John. I'll tell you afterwards, Jim, you're a bit young. <laughs> there was no going back anywhere to the last dance. <laughs> no. That was the crucial one. Yeah. John, you mentioned something last week and we kind of ran out of time. We did, yeah. Uh, and this was to do with uh, an archaeological deed. Yeah. Owen Ryan has an article on the champion. It's a very, very good one. And the members of the public are being invited to get involved with a famine era excavation in Clare, up there near, um, near Balnoan. And what started it was a child's, a, a child's shoe was found in the, the roof of a ruined cottage. Now, 
Did you ever hear of uh, people putting a shoe into, into the roof and leaving it there? No. For good luck. Yeah. It appears it's a, a very much a European culture. There are only three places in Ireland where this has been found. And one is in Ballinlui. So the, the local history people and the Clare, uh, County, Clare County Council, uh, John mm. Rattigan from the Clare Museum, mm. said it would be great to, if we could get the actual public interested in this uh, project, which they're, which they're going to hold. Let me get the date for it. Um, it uh, I think it's on the Ogman. Oh, we'll get it before before the night is over. It's happening in June, isn't it's it? It's in June, yeah. yeah. It, and it, it's, they want, they'd love to have uh, volunteers to participate in the actual dig and whoever decides to, to join in will learn how archaeology approaches. Yeah. Because archaeology, as, as Owen said, if you think about it, archaeology is a form of destruction. You do a kind of of destroy a site when you do it. Yes, right. But you yeah. do it in a very scientific way. And you only destroy part of the site. Yeah, right? and, okay, and you do it in a very, very mm. scientific way. So that's the chance. Look, at if you have a biro out, the number to ring Clare Volunteer Centre is 065-684-5517. And you'll, you'll be most welcome. If you're over 18... Female or male, very welcome. Okay. So there you are. Lovely. Uh, we're okay. talking about um, the bridge at Killaloo, and we have often talked about the proposed new bridge. And I suppose that with the various things we we're talking about, the increase in prices and the increase in, in you know, builders not being able now to build something for the price that was quoted going back, uh, people are getting a little concerned. And I suppose... What, Luke, you mentioned there off air the dates. We were looking at uh, certain dates when we expected things to start. Well, if you went off the, the lines with the, the contract, we'll say when it was signed, it was uh, to be uh, late March, early April. Now, yeah. there, there, there is a very interesting line uh, in relation to this contract, and it's on page six in the Echo. Porrick has a, an article on it. And I have to say, it's the first time I've actually seen an artist's impression of the bridge. Mm -hmm. um, is that the real? Well, it's artist. I know, but in the design, is that the real? Yeah, I'd say it is. So, yeah. I think it's a very handsome-looking bridge, if I might say. Yeah. And it's in page thirteen on the champion we're saying in the east. With a very south, handsome councillor Pat Burke uh, looking at us there. Yes, absolutely. Indeed. But basically, the, there is a line in it. Sisk uh, are, are the company that basically um, won the contract, and. Uh, a letter of acceptance, we say Porik has this, a letter of acceptance was issued to the construction company on February 16, 2022. And this is uh, Sean Lenhan, the senior engineer in the project office uh, of Clare County Council explained. And he says, uh, quote, they were essentially in contract as of March 16, 2022, with works allowed to start on time anytime thereafter. Mm -mm. Okay. Now, the big line is, and this is where uh, you wonder, we were told that, you know, this could be a two, three year project. The contract period is for 33 months and the start date will be decided by CISC. So it basically, uh, come rain, hail or snow, yeah. they might start after 25 months and get it all done in eight months. <laughs> but 33 months is the period of time 
that, that they have to build. Now, then the May edition of the Council's uh, monthly management report, uh, uh, the same Mr Linhan acknowledged, uh, we're all aware of the issues uh, affecting the construction industry generally with hyperinflation driving up costs significantly. And, and now the lines you don't like to hear. Programme sequencing is under review to try facilitate alternative procurement strategies to secure the supply chain and manage inflationary risk. Now, uh, that's acts of delay. Uh, well, it does, Jim, but nationally, I saw, you know, you alluded to earlier where the government seemed to be sort of dishing out money left, right and centre for everything. I think there is a tacit acknowledgement that um, we say if a project might have been priced at, for argument's sake, in this case, 44 million, I think they'll probably say, OK, we'll put another 6 million on mm. top of it. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. Well, the government actually has announced that Minister McGrath in the last few days has acknowledged the problem of hyperinflation in the construction industry because organizations like CISC and others were refusing to sign contracts. Right. In this case, the contract was signed, but of course they could pull out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is, of course, the National, the, the, the National Children's Hospital, which has been dogged by this sort of thing. Yeah. But the government, I think, has guaranteed um, companies that if inflation continues to rise at the rate it does, the government will cover it. Mm. And that, will, that has allowed then companies to carry on. Um, so, I mean, the, you can see it from their point of view as well. If you have signed a contract, and usually a contract takes uh, a certain amount of inflation, there'll be a percentage in there for inflation over the years or months. But uh, these are, with, the, with the current rates of inflation, particularly in the construction industry, it's gone way beyond what contracts. And of course, the client then could theoretically sue the company. So that's why the company is worried. Because in, as far as I'm aware, David, these are fixed price contracts. Mm. Okay, yeah. so it's not a bit like, that's 44 million, but you're, Asher, you know yourself. <laughs> right? Um, it, it's, you don't believe uh, that. No, Luke. But the, the government did say during the week, did they not, that they, they would look at the idea of up to maybe 75% of, of the increase of the extra yeah, cost yeah. Uh, that they, they could, you know. In, be, in theory, but a, a learned man, I, I was asking him just in relation, what, it were, what were his thoughts in relation to the bridge? And he, he pointed out, you will never build it cheaper than today. Yeah. Mm. And in five years time, they'll look back at it and say, oh, wasn't a good job, it was built five years ago. Mm. You know, yeah. and then the prices keep going up. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tomorrow, no. That's uh, uh, they yeah. Don't, yeah. They rarely go down. Yeah. So you, so you should always strike as quick. This bridge has been a long time in coming. So. And it's not here yet. And it's not here <laughs> yet. At least we see the picture of it, uh, which gives yeah. a kind of a slight bit of hope. Yeah. I suppose the road around or where the road is going to access the bridge has been cleared, purchased, presumably. And yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been purchased, yeah. So, so I mean, it's ready, it's ready for the builders it's to move in. Shovel yeah. ready. 
Shovel ready. Yeah. That's the Broadford. They use that quite a lot. They did actually, we were just, and, and Broadford is mentioned Bro as well. Broadford is right beside the article. In, in water, ski yes. water scheme uncertain. Yeah, I, and you know, John, uh, you were talking earlier about, you know, how the, and David was saying about, you know, how one council might sort of want to get their spake in to sort of, you know, talk about various bits and pieces. Well, I, I think uh, the uh, North and West Clare uh, councillors are trying to get their spake speaking in relation yes. to it because you had uh, Joe Garrahy Fianna Gael, Shane Talty Fianna Fáil and Bill Chambers Fianna Fáil submitted a motion to the council seeking clarity on the selection process for towns and villages in the scheme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a little bit like now. Nuance there. Yes, I said Broadford had been earmarked as the leading contender to be the first clear area included in the scheme. However, senior engineer in the water services section of the local authorities, Cyril Feeney, has said, quote, it is a bit premature to say which parts <laughs> of the country will be put forward for inclusion. Mm. But you, and yeah. you, know, you know how it has been earmarked? It's because a certain number of TDs, remember we covered this last yeah. week, issued press releases saying, Broadford now is first in oh, line. Yes, mm. yes. And, yeah. and suddenly the ball starts rolling. And yes. it gathers no moss as it goes down. <laughs> but it gathers momentum. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I suppose well it's, it's time really that Broadford, uh, not time, they've been very, very busy, but uh, Broadford needs to redouble their efforts to... to if they want their well, scheme. Yeah, they're hopefully so close to the winning post that um, <laughs> the plans of the North Clare councillors will come a respectable second. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be saying to them, look, uh, up there in the northwest, west uh, be patient. <laughs> ah, sure. I don't think. See anybody. what's out there in yeah. the horizon. Yeah. Well, it's you a know. fair point, though, that there should be a fair process, shouldn't there? Oh yes. But it's funny, you know, when you're talking about the northwest of Clare, and I'm not one to uh, foster differences between east and west Clare. But a man was coming to Mount Shannon Arts Festival in a few weeks. Uh, John. Oh, what's his name? John Spillane. Oh, yes. Uh, and he's a song out called the, something like The Moon Under Clare, or Under the Moon of Clare. And he lists a whole range of places which are under the moon of Clare. I was listening to it today uh, on the, in, in the car. There isn't one place, I'd say, that's east of Ina. <laughs> uh, and in the, I think he's just going up along is, down. It isn't mentioned, is that right? We're all under a cloud. Over yeah, this he's gone yeah. from yeah. he's gone from Kilrush to the Burn, <laughs> and I think that's yeah. His. So are you saying he shouldn't have been invited to Mount Shannon? Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh no, I'm yeah. not. Indeed. <laughs> and and talking about Mount Shannon, funny that you mentioned it. Uh, Mount Shannon features on uh, page thirteen, the east and southeast Clare section of the Clare Champion, and Fiona has an article there where uh, the Ashter, which is a fabulous place in the centre of Mount Shannon, fabulous open space, and they recently applied and got permission to uh, put up a, a covering over mm. um, a lovely, we've gone live from there, a, a recessed um, open area, mm. a performance area. Mm. But uh, maybe, David, you might... Yeah, well, we, we, we covered it in the last few weeks uh, when, when the planning permission was granted uh, to this. But obviously it's not good news for some people in that um, some of the people, uh, residents of Mount Shannon, have decided to bring an appeal to one board, Panola. Um, so they've lodged that appeal now. It'll take, it'll take a little bit of while for one board, Panola, to, to make a decision about it. So it's, 
It's in the balance, as the headline announces there. So we'll just have to keep going. There's 54,860 euro has been given from the department for it. Um, you know, we'd have to wait and see what on board Panola will have to will have to say and what exactly the objections are. I think some of the objections might be to do with the view, because there is a view um, uh, factor factor involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But well, it's. I'm just wondering, could they dig down another bit and uh, bring the thing almost yeah. half underground? Well, there's clever, there's clever yeah. ways of doing this yeah. if they but wanted to do But like it, Jim, for anybody that's been down there, it's pretty low as it is. And yeah. the pl it's not as if you're going building a big sort of, you know, 50 foot high yeah. tree. Like yeah. the Christmas tree is down in this area every Christmas. And sometimes you nearly you nearly need to stop the car and actually have a look, have a look and see because yeah. you can only see this little bit. You know, we say from from the road. So yes. there isn't actually a great view of the lake because the trees, trees are, uh, do yeah, block yeah, it, and of course yeah. the trees are probably protected for bats and all yeah. the rest. Yeah. Um, but I'm ha it'd be lovely to kind of see a bit more of the lake, mm. uh, but that would require removing of the trees. So well, sure, David, you'll be able to see plenty of the lake when you um, go down to the interpretive centre when it's That's open fun. in about five years' time. I'm sure there's planning going on as we speak. <laughs> Jim, Jim, I wouldn't be so sure. <laughs> the, yeah. Anyway, let's hope that uh, you know yeah. the situation in Mount Shan. I, work it the, out. La the last line: a decision is expected around August thirtieth, and I can yeah. guarantee you probably what will happen is uh, on August twenty seventh or twenty eighth. Oh, we're very busy. We need to put this back for another four or five weeks to give you a decision. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it'd be a little bit like the turbines in East Clare. Yeah. We're still awaiting a decision on that. Mm. Well over a year after Borpanola. Yeah. We're supposed to have it, but anyway, Jim. There's there's a, there's a fabulous photograph there, John, there on page thirteen, under uh, underneath the, the Mount Shannon article, mm. and it's called "Adventurous Eilie Steeped in the GA Celebrates Milestone in Style." Absolutely, look, we're, we're sending her a happy, happy birthday. Who's Eilie? Eilie McMahon. She is, among other things. She is 100 years old this week. She is president, current president, of the Quinn, uh, Quinn uh, Camogie and Ladies Football. How about this? And she carries the name McMahon. And she's from Quinn. She's from Quinn. And I wonder, is she anything to the McMahon in that famous ballad? Which is coming, of course. When are we having the... The Spanish uh, little fair, June, June, yeah, June, another month. There's a bit of confusion in the article. Or. Is she a hundred or a hundred and one? Because she's in, going into her hundred and one. She's a hundred now in her in her one hundred and first year. Yeah. And, and the first part of the paragraph says celebrated her hundredth birthday in recent weeks. Yeah, and she, the photograph, she played for Claire, for for Claire at senior county level. It must have been in the nineteen twenties. Nineteen thirties. Nineteen thirties. And who were they playing? They were playing Limerick. <laughs> and unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't win. They didn't but win. It's a, uh, we've had good photographs of Camogie teams over the last month, and this is one more to add to it. Okay. So, good and health to her. Good health to her indeed, and so see all of us. We're, they, we're running out of time as well. The avian flu, there has been... Uh, 
There's an article in one of the... It's a tiny piece, uh, Jim, in the Clare Champion on page six, as if it, it would almost go unnoticed, but I think it's pretty serious. It should deserve a little bit more attention from our journalists. Leave unwell enough alone is the little piece. And, and this is a dead swan was found earlier this month at Wood Park, Mount Shannon, and removed by the Department of Agriculture and Wildlife. The public are not are encouraged to go, don't go anywhere near it. Uh, or these animal uh, birds who die because avian flu has been detected on Loch Derg. Um, so it could very easily get into the commercial flocks. Oh, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And household and domestic flocks. Yeah. We'll have to Tom, talk to Tom Handley, Jim, ab yeah, about this. One of the eagles, one of the white-tailed sea eagles in Mount Shannon um, died from avian flu going back a couple of years. Yeah. Right, so it's, it's and did it, for did it happen in the Loch Derg area? It, oh yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. Okay, uh, I suppose one of the things that we've been looking forward to for, for three years now uh, has been the return of the festivals here in East Clare. And one of them, one of the ones that we really enjoyed and we often broadcast from, uh, was known as the Blossom Harp Festival, but is now the Tungraney Harp Festival. And that's taking place, uh, Luke, in your hometown this weekend. Indeed, on as we speak. Yeah, on as we speak, and uh, nearly close to finishing up with uh, uh, the main the main events. Would say would would have taken place yesterday in relation to um, competitions, and there was a concert in the church in the evening time. And uh, I would be very much hoping that uh, the contents of that concert for anyone that wasn't able to be there will be broadcast on this fine station at some stage in the future. Good. Yes, well, and yeah, I think the, this evening in Nula's there's a sort of a general wind-up uh, get-together for many of the people involved. In the yes, industry. indeed, uh, between five and seven. And uh, is, there, is there a concert? Uh, last, last night, the concert would have been in, in, the, in the, the Catholic Church, Church last night. So I think it was a little bit like uh, John. Uh, the, the mass crowd came in and went out, and then the heart crowd came in and came <laughs> out. And you know, a few of them probably stayed for both. Good, <laughs> yeah. And but, there's a fantastic picture on page three of the festival patron and our well-known musician, and of course contributor to this radio station, Manus Maguire. Yes. Um, who, uh, with harpist Fiona Nigono, who is the artistic director in St. Cronin's Church. Um, so happy to see it's multi-denominational that all the churches of Tomb Graney, all two of them, are being used. And our, our other uh, co-presenter, she's taking a holiday at the moment, but Dr. Um, Clee Donlan. Yes. She is she's uh, involved as well. She's mentioned as here. Well. She's mentioned here in yeah. the article, John. Yeah. The Minding Your Music workshop takes place from 3 p.m. today. Yes. Did you just get it now after this show to 5 p.m. with Clee Donnellan, a PhD graduate. Clee will look at issues of anxiety around playing, particularly in public. Okay. Isn't it brilliant that the festival is back? Absolutely. You know, it really is. And of course, Mount Shannon coming in in, in a few Mount weeks. Mount coming in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Yes, We're, and we had uh, advertised near and far. <laughs> it is, yes. It is. <laughs> Very far. Is yes, it? it is. How was, far is far? <laughs> well past Killaloo. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I was coming out from Limerick today and uh, yep. I saw a fabulous sign for it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, anyway. And, and the, man, the man appearing down there, he might start to change a few verses in his song and talk about the villages of East Clare. 
rather than just waste yeah. care. Yes. So John. You, you can have Spillane. a chat with Mr. Spillane. Yeah. We will. Yeah. We'll he want to hear a crowd, uh, yeah. David. Yeah. You know, he is. You can set him right. Okay, listen, we've reached the end of uh, local media this week, or this week. Uh, my thanks to John S. Kelly. Welcome, Jim. And to David Fleming. Thanks, Jim. And to Luke Fleming. Thanks. Uh, Pat, I don't think Pat will be back next week. I think he's taking an extended break. Yes. So we'll try and survive uh, without him, but we... He's uh, not sick of us, is he? Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> if, he's not, if he's not at this stage, he's, he's lasted a long time. <laughs> anyway, John, have you any suggestions for uh, winding up little, our show with this music? Well, you know, thinking about the festival that's on in, in uh, Tungreni at the weekend and currently, and uh, with our good friend and colleague, Manus Maguire, strong participation in it. I'd love if we went out with something by Manus. Luke. We shall sort that most imminently. Yeah. Okay, we'll search for something and we'll be something I think is even coming up as we speak. It is. So listen, thanks a million to everybody here. Uh, thanks to all our listeners uh, for listening to us. We'll be back. Uh, with the help of God next Sunday again at two o'clock. So for the moment, uh, from all of us here, it's goodbye and God bless. <laughs>